remembering who I am to me feels like I'm just permanently smiling. Like it just feels like pure joy. And I love that state of being. I love that I can access that through breathwork. I love that I can access that through meditation because what that means to me is that if I can access it in those practices, then I can be that in the world. And if I could be completely untriggered and just walking through life with a big smile, I think in my mind, that would obviously shift my life, but that could shift every single person that I come in in contact with. You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, it's Kat and Stefania, and we're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where I am, and Sydney, Australia, where Catherine is. And you are listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today, we're talking to Haley Lott, an expert in the study and practice of self-love. May is Mental Health Month, so we feel this is the perfect time to be having this conversation. Haley is a sound healer, meditation, and breathwork teacher. She's also a yoga instructor and the co-host of Mind Games podcast, where she facilitates conversations across generational perspectives with her father, former NFL player Ronnie Lott. Super cool that she does a podcast with her dad. Haley actually began her meditation practice as a kid with her family, and then really connected with the practice throughout her life. And in her early 20s, she took the leap to build a career out of her love for the practice. And now the podcast that Haley hosts with her father explores the relationship between mental health, mindfulness, and sport. It's so interesting to hear the kinds of conversations that they have and how they explore modern wellness from the perspective of both generations. In regards to this theme of generations and how we all experience mental health differently, what was it like in your family? Yeah, I think that I got a couple of different perspectives in my experience growing up. I think because in my upbringing, I was around both my parents and my grandparents a lot. And so I was around my grandparents' generation as well as my parents. And I think that my parents, especially my mom, is very evolved when it comes to acknowledging the importance of mental health care. But because my family is one of immigrants and my grandparents, you know, were immigrants in this country, my parents raised as almost first-generation immigrants in this country. I think that in some ways 
in that dynamic, mental health was viewed and can be viewed as a luxury. And so I remember as a kid, my grandparents saying things like, my grandfather saying things like, oh, like if I was upset or I don't know, not fully present, which I think happens when we struggle with our mental health growing up, I kind of got a lot of messaging around, oh, what do you have to be worried about? Like, you're fine. Like, you know, you have a great life. You have an education. You have a great family. You have all the food you need. You have, you know, luxuries. What do you have to worry about? Like, you're fine. Kind of like that suck it up message. I mean, I don't think that they had that languaging, but and then I think that we would sometimes get the the programming that like, oh yeah, like I have it great. Like there's so many other people worse off than me. I'm fine. And I think that it can be viewed as a luxury, especially for people like them. And I think a lot of people in this country right now too, who come from having to worry about the basic necessities of survival and life, then thinking about mental health feels like it comes afterwards and, and feels like a luxury. Does that make sense? Did you have any of that? I know you grew up around your grandparents a lot too. Yeah. I feel like with my grandparents, it was just something that was known not to be talked about. If there were problems or if there were issues, then it would just get swept under the rug. No one would talk about it. No one would address it. So that was how I grew up and how for a long time I thought that I should be as well. And I shouldn't talk about anything and, you know, just pretend like everything is fine. So I think that is just, it, it's kind of similar in that what you're saying with your grandparents is that it was more of a luxury. So it seems like it was similar in my family, but I just perceived it a bit differently. Like, it's just like, oh, we just don't talk about problems or we don't talk about what's really going on. So my mom was a bit different. She did go to therapy and she did definitely talk about her problems. And when I was going through a tough time in high school or middle school, she did send me to a therapist. And at the time I just didn't want to talk to her. I didn't understand. It was like, you're a stranger. I don't want to talk to you (laughs) about my problems or about what's going on with me. So I really did pick up that mentality from my grandparents. Yeah. I also, so I shared the kind of grandparents and generational perspective, but my parents, like I said, especially my mom, like there was a lot of talk and awareness about mental health. And I also went to therapy when I was younger. I mean, I've had a therapist for most of my life in some form or another, and I just view it as part of my mental health care, part of my practice. And so there was the exploration of that. But I think that the other couple of things that come to mind were both, I think that some of us, I think have grown up with are like some religious undertones to the way we think about mental health. Like, you know, pray, like give it to God. Like I got a lot of messaging like that. And while, you know, I believe in those things outside of the confines of an organized religion, I think that there's like a level of bypassing that comes with that because we don't really get to the root of what the issue is. And it's sort of bypassing, like, it's almost like the religious version of the think positive. And so I think that's another thing that I got. And I think one of the other things I've noticed in my later years, not just with my family, but just people in my life and in general was that I saw that there was this big 
surge in like looking to medications and prescriptions and you know, those are your options if you're having issues. And certainly those are appropriate for some people. But I think that as I've grown and in the past, you know, maybe 10 years and started getting more into this work, maybe in the past five, I'm so grateful to be aware of so many other options that exist to take care of our mental health outside of medication. Mm -hmm. And I think that the things that we talked about with Haley today are really relevant to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. There are some people that without a doubt require medication, but I think that if you're at that level where, you know, you are anxious and you are depressed and just having that kind of off feeling using just being able to access these tools that are so readily available now are, is, is so powerful and it's really helped me. And I'm glad that we live in this generation because there's so much out there and there's so much guidance to help with all of that. And just even talking about it and having it be okay. Like if something's going on, I have my group of core group of friends that I can talk to, or I have, I can work with a coach or work with a great therapist or an energy healer. There's so much out there. And I think it just helps so much. And not being able to talk about it or feel shame for it would be really tough. And I think it's nice. I think it is also bringing our parents or, you know, even if our grandparents, grandparents that are still alive, it's bringing them on that journey now as well. Like, did you know that you can actually talk about this (laughs) stuff and you can actually, there's actually tools that you can use too. Yeah. So I think that's a really nice experience too, to start introducing, even though, you know, they can be a little bit stuck in their ways at this point, but. Yeah. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I love that. I mean, you mentioned to me before this, that it was mental health month and I didn't know before that. I didn't even know there was a month dedicated to mental health, but It's so, so important because there are so many factors in modern life today that I think can prevent us from, you know, holding like a steady balance in our mental health. Mental health is incredibly important. We need to support each other, be in community with each other. And I think that anything that I can do to help that for others and myself, I want to do. All right. So let's get to the conversation with Haley. In this chat, we are talking to Haley about the science behind meditation and breath work, how they actually work, and what is going on in our bodies when we practice them. We talk about the overall benefits of meditation and breath work, why do them, the things you can do at home right now to relieve anxiety, what it's like to be super vulnerable with your dad, how Haley and her dad have connected on a deeper level through their work on their podcast together. Haley opens up on how we can do that with our own parents or parent figures in our lives and what being authentic really means and why it's so important, how movement, breath work, meditation, and yoga can help you remember who you are. Let's get into it. Haley, you've had your own meditation practice for about 16 years. And you're now teaching meditation and breath work and have your own podcast with your dad, which is super cool. How did you get into all of this? (laughs) (laughs) 
I, when you said 16 years, I was like, dang, that's a really long time. Um, well, basically I got into it because my mom introduced meditation to my family uh, when we were super young. So I, I was about 10 years old. And at the time, I actually really didn't like it. I felt like it was like my mom forcing our family to hang out with each other. And I was super inflexible as we'd be doing yoga, meditation, and all those types of things. And I really just didn't like it because it felt like punishment. But then I kept going to classes with my mom and I kept having these thoughts of like, oh, I could maybe do this. But then I'd be like, no, no, I have to, I have to go to college. I have to you know, follow what my parents wanted me to do. Um, and then I eventually did go to college, graduated. And really that's when my meditation practice, I think went to another level because I graduated from college and I was like, I don't know, like, what do I want to do? And meditation was the thing that supported me in finding clarity and finding more ease and just feeling good. And I hadn't felt like that in so long. And that's when I was like, you know, I'm getting so much from this. I really want to teach other people how to do this too. So that's kind of my journey Mm -hmm. through all the things. And then since then I've been like certified in all these different types, because I'm sure you guys know when you start down the path of wellness, you kind of, it's a whole new world and you want to know all of these things and learn all these different techniques and figure out what is it that works for you. And so now I'm here and I teach breath work. I teach sound. I teach meditation. I teach dance and I teach yoga. And I think that's it. (laughs) Yeah. I love what you said about like, once you get started, you just want to like keep exploring. Like earlier today, Catherine and I were just talking about how once you get started with a lot of this type of work, it feels like then there's like always another thing that you feel like, oh, well, okay, now I just like unpacked and whatever Mm -hmm. elevated myself in this way. But now I just realized I have so much more work to do. It's like at each stage, you real, like you just become more and more aware and open and it's wonderful, but it's sort of like this journey that you're always on then once you open it up. Totally, totally agree. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious as someone that like also struggled to get into meditation, I don't have the strongest meditation practice. I do some sort of guided meditations and healing techniques. When did it shift for you and what happened when it went from, like you said, something that you didn't want to do and didn't like to something that you were starting to really embrace? I think for me... I started having these like little moments or little pings or little moments where I felt connected to who I truly was. And I remember this class, I must've been in high school and I remember being on a mat and the teacher was guiding us through a meditation and like, I could feel the sun on my skin. And I just had this moment of like, oh my gosh, it was just total bliss. And I'll never forget that moment. And even though at that moment, that wasn't when I got deep into meditation, it just showed me what was possible. And I think that I kept being curious about that moment and wanting to expand it. And like, could this be how I always live? Could this be my, you know, complete state all the time is that moment of bliss. So I think I kept getting curious and more curious. And then in college, when I was really, I I mean, I felt like I was really struggling because I 
you know, had a degree, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was being underpaid and I was working so hard. And I was just like, I can't live like this. And I think that it took me to get to a point of like, I cannot live like this anymore. I need to do something different. And then I was like, okay, meditation. I don't know what it was about meditation that felt like it could support me, but I started it. And then I kept getting those those little pings or those little moments of bliss that got me hooked into it. It's like the meditation high. Yeah. Yeah. So how was that transition from doing something that was actually just not aligned with you anymore to kind of like jumping and going into meditation? What did that feel like? And how did you do that? It felt like extremely exciting and extremely scary at the same time, because when I knew that I needed to do something different. And I, and I knew I wanted to teach meditation. Luckily my mom supported me in that. And so what I did was I moved home because I was going to start a business or I started my business and I was going to put all my money that I was making into the business. And so it felt scary because I was like 22 and Mm -hmm. like, let's let's try this Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) But it also felt exciting because I felt super aligned with it. And then, you know, along the way, it's been both really exciting and really Mm -hmm. scary, actually kind of the majority, especially in the beginning of the time, because I was still coming up against a lot of like, are people going to listen to a 22 year old meditation teacher? And um, now, finally, I feel super secure and confident and excited because I know that this is, I can't do anything else. But along the way, there was, of course, doubt and the failure or uh, people not showing up to my classes or things like that got to me. Whereas now I'm just like, okay, this is part of the process. This is what I meant to do. I can't really do anything else. I'm really interested. Catherine told me a little bit about and got to hear a little of your podcast you do with your dad and your family sounds so cool. (laughs) Um, Meditating together and you do your podcast with your dad. How did you get started doing that? And what's that been like? Yeah. So we started the podcast, we started recording in 2018, but it didn't launch till 2019. And that podcast happened because I was actually traveling alone and I was listening to a lot of podcasts and books on tape and finding so much comfort and support because I was, I I think it had been like a month at that point where I was traveling alone and a ton of different emotions came up in that time. And podcast is what really supported me. And I had this idea of like, oh, I could, I could do this. And I wonder if my dad would do it with me because I mean, he wouldn't call it a meditation practice, but he has a strong mindset. And that's why to me, he's been so successful in his life. And so I thought it would be a cool thing for us to come together and really talk about mental wellness and mental health in a new way. And because we do have such different opinions, we both believe in the practice and believe in supporting others. It's been a journey and we've learned a lot about each other and we've learned a lot about mental wellness and mental health. And I'm excited to see where it continues to go and and grow as we keep recording. I mean, I didn't think he was going to (laughs) say yes to another year, but he was in it for This is our second year doing it now. I love that you guys do that together because I think our parents can be 
and your parents seem a lot more evolved in that way, but some, you know, um, (laughs) parents in that generation can be a little bit less open to talking about modern day wellness and all these different practices and even meditation and things like that. How have you seen that perception shift through doing a podcast with your dad? I mean, there's definitely, I love that I sound like my family sounds super evolved. It doesn't always feel that way. Um, But I love that other people have that experience of us. Um, And there has been times where my dad, you know, says like, I'll ask him a a question on the podcast. And he just says, oh, no, not going to answer that. I'm like, dad, we're doing a podcast to talk about these things. He's like, well, not today. So I think that we do disagree a lot. And I think that that's been something that I've learned myself. It's like, it's okay for us to see, to disagree. And then in fact, it's almost can be more beneficial to the listener because they get to hear that this is how, what works for me. This is what works for him, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. we can both share our different perspectives and hopefully that way, whoever is listening has agency to pick what works out for them. We've definitely stretched each other a lot. I mean, the second episode that we recorded was called Daddy Issues. And I just really kind of thought it would be like a funny thing for us to talk about. That was the only podcast we had to record twice because things ended up getting a little bit heated because I guess of my, because of my daddy issues. Um, (laughs) But there has been times where we see completely differently. And I think that that's okay. Yeah. Where are you comfortable talking about any of like the issues that came up that was, you know, maybe cathartic or healing to go through in discussion on that podcast episode? Yeah. Interestingly enough, my dad, it was hard for him to understand the topic of daddy issues. You know, for us, like, I think that that's kind of just something that people in our generation, we talk about those things because we're curious of like, what's really going on? Where are my choices and actions stemming from? And a lot of the times they can be from our childhood years. And I kept pushing him of like, well, what do you think? Like, what did you pull from your parents? And that was hard for him because he doesn't feel comfortable of saying like, oh, I see, you know, you could talk about like, oh yeah, I wake up early because my parents always had us wake up early, but he couldn't talk about maybe the things that were more challenging of like, oh, this is how my parents raised me. And this is why I'm doing this with you guys. So that's why we had to re-record because I kept pushing him. He's like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what you're, what you're asking. Yeah. And then luckily the second time we both were able to come from a different perspective of me not trying to push and force him to be a certain way and allowing him to share his experience because that is his experience. Mm -hmm. And then him being able to listen to me and my experience. And I think that overall, it has been really healing for both of us because we know each other now on a level that we, I don't think really were able to before because we're spending so much time together and then hearing each other's different perspectives. And yeah, our love has grown a lot, which is great. I completely agree with what you said about the generations because we question everything. (laughs) Oh, well, I am probably acting like this way because of something that happened when I was six years old and now I'm reflecting. 
And they just don't, when I have conversations with my parents, especially my dad, like he's just like, yeah, I grew up, I had a normal life. Yeah. I feel like our parents' generation is just like speaking or just past generations. I mean, like, you know, of that era is just speaking about our mental health and where our feelings are coming from. It's just not as done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that yeah, too. It's, it is. I think that that actually, now that you say that, that has been a big thing I've learned from the podcast is, you know, my dad has shared when we've had guests on and he said these like things like, wow, I didn't realize I could love myself or I didn't know that that was something I should be practicing. And I'm sitting next to him like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, the light bulbs are going off. Mm -hmm. And so it has been really cool for him to, you know, he's not completely changing his ways, but he is hearing things and seeing things, I think, a bit different, which I think is where it all starts. And how have you helped him to, like the kind of the how-to of loving yourself? Because I mean, even in this day, I think there's a lot of quotes and things out there about like, you have to love yourself. It's the most important, but mm-hmm. the how-to is often missing. And we talk about this a lot in our work. So I'm curious as to how you guided him through that or have helped him see that. I think one of the things I've learned is that especially as I started teaching meditation and wanting every single person I met to practice meditation too, that it just doesn't really work like that. And because, and what I mean by that is we all have to go through those, like the struggle or like the hard Mm -hmm. part. And a lot of times, even with my sister, I'll notice it is she's like really struggling through something or, or with my brother, I'm like, Oh, like you just got to do this, this and that thing, you know, that's Mm it. And I don't know their struggle. I don't know what they're going through. And by them being able to go through it on their own, they can find out what does work for them. And so with my dad, instead of saying like, oh, you should try this or you should do this or you could do it that way. Like, I can't even go there. I can't Mm -hmm. even, I just, I mean, I have, and it just doesn't work. (laughs) So now instead it's more of me asking questions. I feel like that's really helped me of just like, oh, like, what do you do? You know, how do you take care of yourself? And that's a lot about our podcasts we do is, is just asking each other questions and trying to uncover something and see something from a different way. But yeah, it's more about me asking. And even if I'm like, no, like what oh, he should be saying that he looks himself in the mirror and telling, you know, and says, I love you every morning in the mirror, you know, that's what he should be doing. It's like, that might not work for my dad. So I just get to be curious and ask and listen and yeah, and trust. So what would you say to someone that, I mean, you're such a great example of like building this open and meaningful dialogue with your parent. What would you say to someone who wants to maybe open that kind of a dialogue with their parent or someone of that generation who's a parental figure in their life? What would you say to them in terms of, you know, a couple of ways that they can get started doing that or a couple of, you know, prompts or things that they can do? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a really good question because before we even started the podcast, actually, I really was committed to changing my relationship with my dad. Uh, We had a good relationship, but I didn't feel like it was really deep and I didn't feel like he saw me and I don't feel like I saw him. And so I think that for me, I always thought it was about him changing and him being different. And he needed to learn these certain things and he needed to do the personal development that I did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he would try, but it wouldn't work for him. Um, So it was really more about me tapping into my heart. And I hope that I mean, you know, it might sound cheesy, but really when I would have the conversations with my dad, like I would have to really think about what is it that I want to talk to him about and come from my heart. And then when I would go, I remember uh, one of these conversations that was like me trying to, you know, break down the walls and connect with him. And I went into his room and it took us a while to get there, but it took me being super vulnerable and being like soft and and loving in the way that I met him because I needed him to listen to me and see me and see like the things that were heavy for me or the things that I struggled with in my childhood without saying he was wrong. You know, because in the past I would have said things like, oh, well, you know, I'm this way because you are this to me. And instead I had to say things like, I really struggle with anger. I really struggle with anger and it's just been weighing really heavy on me. Like, what would you say to me? So asking questions, being really soft, not accusing or assuming that all of your problems stem from them because, you know, I have choice obviously and, and how I go about Mm -hmm. my life and seeing how much more I can go into my heart. And then when I would do that, you know, me and my dad would end up crying in our conversations, which like, Mm -hmm that was never a thing before, you know? And it took me really being able to forgive him first, then be able to have the courage to have these conversations of things that I was struggling with and be vulnerable with him. And then when he could see, you know, my struggle or what I was really truly working on, I think that that shifted in him and had him have a lot more compassion for me. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful and very evolved. And we've been using that word a little bit now in this discussion, but <laughs> I feel like it's once you begin kind of this journey and doing inward work, it can be easy to say, okay, now I understand that a lot of this stuff is rooted in childhood or, you know, our childhood experiences. So I understand that my parents did this to me, but that's not the full picture because mm-hmm. what about their experience and their parents' experience? It's just mm-hmm. like this whole thing that you know, then leads us to where we are. And it's not really like a fault thing. So I think that I really like the way that you, that you said that. Yeah. I think that's huge is that when we recognize that, like when we take responsibility, when we take responsibility, because even though our brains are developing from ages zero to 14 and we have all of these subconscious patterns that we function in from today, like I have, it's my responsibility to meet those parts of Mm -hmm. myself. It's my responsibility to heal those parts of myself. It has nothing to do with my dad, but I can share with him my experience, but it's more 
important for me to take responsibility because then when I'm in relationship, I can't be like, well, I'm this way because, I mean, I could, I could say I am this way because my dad was this way, but that's not going to serve the relationship that I'm trying to be in. It's just going to be like, okay, well, you know, it's all about, I think, us taking responsibility, forgiving where we can and moving as much into the heart as we can. Yeah. And it's like moving out of that victim mentality. And yeah, I remember when I was growing up and I was adapting that victim mentality and just being like, well, I'm this way because this happened. And I remember my dad actually saying to me, it's not cool to act like that. You are in control of your own life. And I was, I looked up to him a lot. So from that moment, I just never, like I made it a point to never blame anything or anyone else and just take responsibility. And it makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's obviously harder because you Mm -hmm. have to (laughs) confront yourself and actually take the responsibility. But it's so true. Like when you change the energy of yourself, then all the relationships around you change and become better. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Joe Dispenza over there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love if you could explain from your perspective, because I know that you teach meditation and breath work, kind of like what the difference is and the benefits that you can experience from each. I'm very familiar with meditation. I haven't done a lot of breath work, so I'm curious to know. Yeah. So I see breathwork as a meditation. It's just, you know, a different form than more of a traditional Zen practice where you'd be counting numbers or observing your thoughts. Because you still, in a breathwork practice, you still are observing your thoughts. You still are Mm -hmm. observing the sensation that's moving through you and you're still really being with yourself. And both practices drop you into these deeper brainwave states, which is yeah, a little Joe Dispenza is when you can get to those deeper (laughs) brainwave states, that's where you can learn to reprogram. And so for me, why I love breathwork so much is that it's a really tangible way for me to connect with who I truly am. With meditation, it's taken me a longer time to get there. And with breathwork, I love that I can breathe for 10 minutes and have my mind clear, everything shift and really be connected to who I am. And with meditation, it takes me a little bit longer. But that again, that's like finding out the different things that work for you. With breathwork, it's active and you're breathing intentionally and intensely. Um, so I, I like to think that that practice can sometimes be more accessible to someone who's, you know, I hear all the time, I can't sit still. And so breath work tends to be something easier for people, even though it's more challenging, but it's easier that you're actively tracing your breath. You're actively following the breath and you're feeling it into your body. So I love both of these practices for different things. And right now in this moment, I've been heavy into breathwork myself because I want to shift my stuff like really quick. And Mm -hmm. and breathwork does that for me. Can you talk a little bit about the science or mechanism behind like what's actually happening in our bodies when we're doing breathwork or doing meditation? Like what's happening to create then that shift? Yeah, so... The first thing that comes to mind for me is your brain waves. And so you're essentially dropping your brain waves down deeper and deeper into probably around, I mean, a theta state, I would say. 
you can get really deep in breath work. You, you can get super deep. And the point of doing that is like I shared before, is that when we can get to these deeper levels, we can clear out what's there. We can reprogram it by going to a deep level and having a new belief and forming a new, new belief at that level with breath work. There's other physical sensations too, because you're breathing in way more air than you normally are. And so sometimes in breath work, you'll have your hands like start cramping up like little claws, or sometimes you'll feel tightness in different areas of your body. And sometimes you'll even feel like tingling throughout your entire body. And that is from the over oxygenation of the blood. So you're taking in so much air, your blood is getting more oxygen than it normally is. And that's where you'll get those physical reactions. And I think that that's also part of the high that you can feel from breath work. In meditation, it's different because you're dropping yourself deep into the brain waves. You're not getting as much of a physical sensation or as intense of a physical sensation as you would in breath work. And doing that, and when you are experiencing the breath and feeling that in your body, by doing and breathing in that way, you're also uh, dropping your heart rate. You're dropping into the parasympathetic nervous system. It's really about dropping into those deeper brainwave states. That's like, mm-hmm. that's it. And so you can access a deeper part of your conscious. And when you get so deep, it's not just like your your conscious brain, it's your super conscious brain. It's like not even your subconscious, it's the super conscious. Mm-hmm. What kind of, if any, shifts have you seen in people that you've worked with doing meditation and breath work by, you know, helping them access those parts of themselves? With breath work is probably the most powerful shifts because like I said, it's active and it's more, I mean, aggressive. I, I don't love that word, but it's, it's just more intense. And so people come in one way and leave a completely, it feels like they leave a completely different person. You know, I've heard things like, I never knew that I could actually be peaceful. I've always felt anxiety. I've always experienced anxiety my entire life. And after this class, I feel no anxiety at all. So I think that shifts like that is like, whoa, someone accessing a part of themselves that they didn't even know was there. uh, That's probably the biggest shift. I think with with meditation and working with people, it's more about connection. And I think connection to that place, connection to your authentic self, your true self, your heart connection, I feel like is the biggest thing people leave with meditation and breath work. It's more like, what just happened? (laughs) I, I didn't know I could get this. Where did I go? Like what just happened? Things like that. So it's different. Yeah. I uh, did one breathwork class uh, actually here in San Francisco at the assembly. And I went in thinking, this is going to be so peaceful. It's going to be like some (laughs) quiet breathing. And it was so much more intense, like you said, than I was expecting. And I literally felt like I was floating above Mm -hmm. my mat. And the woman next to me was having like a full on, like letting every cry and emotion out. Like she had said after, like she hasn't cried in years and it was really, really powerful and moving. So I totally get what you're saying. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I think both practices remind you of who you are. That is the like bottom line. Why you practice meditation is you remember who you are. And in breathwork specifically, you can really process through a lot. I had a practice earlier today where I cried, just tears streaming down my face. And then the next moment we screamed. And then the next moment I was just laughing. And it's like, I needed that. I needed to release and breath work is like a process of kind of like peeling back the layers and letting go of the sadness, the fear, the worry that we experience. And maybe we're not experiencing it in this moment, but maybe we experienced it like a week ago and we just didn't let ourselves cry and we didn't let ourselves be with the emotion and breath work. You, you move through it all or you can. And when you say remembering yourself, how was that for you? I know you mentioned at the beginning, like that blissful feeling. Is that what it felt like for you? I think that remembering who I am to me feels like I'm just permanently smiling. Like it just feels like pure joy. And I love that state of being. I love that I can access that through breathwork. I love that I can access that through meditation because what that means to me is that if I can access it in those practices, then I can be that in the world. Mm -hmm. And if I could be completely untriggered and just walking through life with a big smile, I think in my mind, that would obviously shift my life, but that could shift every single person that I come in in contact with. You know, if I'm just a beam of light and I go out in the world and we want to match each other's vibration, that's just like natural. So to me, remembering who I am is a state of, of wholeness where I'm centered, I'm grounded. The triggers or the things come up, but I recognize that everything's neutral and that I have a choice in how I experience each moment. And I think that that's all I could really say about it because it really is just a feeling that I feel, which is whole centered, grounded. And I guess at the root of it, it's really just, you know, being love, just complete love. What is like a typical day for you in terms of like whether how many times you meditate or do breath work? What is that routine for you? I meditate a lot especially right now, um, just because I want the extra support, but I do have like a pretty long morning practice. I was just talking to one of my best friends about it. And I was like, yeah, my morning practice is now two hours long. And she was even like, whoa. And I was like, I know, I don't know how it, how it became this, but I typically, you know, I, I like to do writing in the morning. I like to do affirmations in the morning. I like to meditate in the morning. And, and really, I like to meditate for around 30 minutes. If I can meditate longer than I will. And if I, if I can't, then I'll just do 30 minutes in the morning. And then I like to come back to it midday. So I like to just do something small, like five minutes during like around lunchtime, just so I can connect back into what I created. And then I like to do a smaller practice, a shorter practice at night to just check in with myself. But yeah, I just, I love meditation so much. And, and something I hear a lot too is like, oh my God, I can't, I can't meditate because I overthink or I just like worry all the time or I have anxiety. I'm like, that's why I meditate all the time because I overthink. And meditation gives me the ability to just relax 
and let it go and like choose again and choose my thoughts, choose how I want to show up in the world. And I find that the more I practice, the more me I can be and the more me I can be. I mean, even this morning I was experiencing some doubt and like, you know, just questioning if I should do this thing in my business. And then I meditated and I was like, who was that? That wasn't me. Like, I know who I am. Like, let's get this shit popping. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm <laughs> that's okay. Swear. That's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's get this going. Like, I know who I am. Come on. Like, I don't need that. The ego is like trying to pull me out or my ego is trying to pull me away. And, and meditation is the thing that gets me back. Mm. I totally get your long morning rituals and routine because mine have really grown too. And I feel like once you begin and commit to having a morning practice or rituals, whatever that is, I cannot imagine that old me now. And I don't know if you ever had this yourself where I used to just roll out of bed and hurry up and go to work. Like that was what (laughs) I did. And I think a lot of people do that. And now imagining that I was so not in my best state Mm -hmm. and we feel like we don't have time to do anything else sometimes in the morning, but it's like doing that actually gives you more time throughout because you're so much clearer. Exactly. That's such a good Mm -hmm. point is that when you have that practice and you take care of yourself, you meet everything else more efficiently, more effectively. Yeah. um, And in in the way you want to meet each thing rather than like, oh, your Uber was late or like something went Mm -hmm. wrong and you get pulled by that thing. Mm -hmm. Instead, Mm -hmm. you're like, this is me. This is what I who I want to be right now. Yeah. And it's like you haven't taken any time at the start of your day to like ground and like, who am I? Like, you know, and it's just like, it's so much easier to just get caught up in the wave of whatever is happening. I remember Mm -hmm. the other thing I was going to say was I totally have also recognized that in my life, like the practices where I feel like a lot of resistance to, like those are the ones I need the most. (laughs) So I feel like a lot of us, us feel like that. Yeah. I'm curious for someone at home right now, and I know obviously there are a lot of digital offerings and I don't know if you you have any, and we can talk about those for sure um, before we close, but what are some things that people can do on their own? Maybe even some small practices that maybe just take a few minutes if they want to start integrating some breath work or even some light meditation into their day or into their morning. Yeah. I think that for me, Starting small is key to meditation. I think that that's where people can get scared off right away. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to meditate for 30 minutes. Like, I don't have that kind of time. And when I first started meditating, I had a teacher that said, oh, well, my meditation practice is when I swim. And I remember just being like, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't know I could do that. (laughs) And why I think that's cool and and how I think people that are listening to this can practice that is really finding something that works for you, whether it's cooking or walking outside or yoga or whatever it is that you're already doing and seeing if you can just be present with that. And what that means is being able to feel yourself stirring the pot. Can you feel your right foot touch the ground? Can you feel your left foot touch the ground? Can you notice what that feels like in your body? How does your breath feel? So it's really about bringing a sense of presence to whatever activity it is that you're doing. And then once you start feeling that, it starts feeling really good because 
you see the thoughts in your mind and you feel the thoughts kind of dancing and moving and shifting, doing whatever they want to do. But you have the ability to say, okay, cool, mind, like keep talking. I'm going to keep feeling my feet on the ground. I'm going to keep stirring the pot. I'm going to keep feeling my arm as it just like reaches up and touches the sky. You know, our thoughts will always be there, but it's about changing our relationship to them, learning how we can be in relationship with our thoughts without letting them pull us this way or that. Kind of like we were mentioning before, it's that's the practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people, even that I talk to or say like, oh, I can't meditate. It's not for me. <laughs> I just can't concentrate. And it's really about, like you said, just keeping it simple. It doesn't have to be a big intensive 30 minute thing. And also if thoughts come, that's totally fine. Would you agree with that? And what would you say to some the person yes. that says, I can't do it, doesn't work? Yes. Well, normally I ask, why? Like, you know, why do you think that you can? Or like, you know, I suck at meditation, which I hear that all the time. Like, why do you think that? And most of the time the answer is, well, I can't focus. My thoughts are really loud. And I'm like, well, my, my thoughts are really loud too. You know, it's not about not having thoughts. We have an average of like 60,000 thoughts a day. And I like, I like to think that I have a lot more than that. I like to think I probably have like 80,000 thoughts in a day. And It's about not being controlled or pulled by my thoughts. Because when you think about it, like 50% of your thoughts, maybe more, are just completely irrational. I mean, we've all like walked down the street and been like, how did that thought even come into my mind? Like, why am I even? So if you know that like a lot, we've all heard our thoughts be totally just what the heck. So if we know that, why are we paying so much attention to them and why are we being so controlled by them? It's really about like, the only way I can feel it right now is like loosening the reins or loosening your attachment to your thoughts and just recognizing that they're always going to move. They're always going to shift. They're always going to change in once, you know, in, in a second. So knowing you'll always have thoughts there as part of the practice And also knowing that the more you practice, the easier it will get for you to be with the thoughts, the easier it will get for you to not be controlled or pulled by the thoughts. And then that's like really the practice is that now my thoughts, some days they're super loud and I, I'm more comfortable being with them and why that's amazing in my life is that I don't have to be pulled or controlled by my thoughts. I can just be with them, say what's up, acknowledge them, and then choose what I want to focus on and how the way I want to move forward. Yeah. It's almost like they're just in the background. They're just rolling through. Exactly. Exactly. And you build it over time. And then I think what's cool is then you'll start noticing yourself out in the real world, not reacting like you would have in the past. And I think that that really, the results can kind of hook people in because you're like, oh, I, you just paused for like half a second. And that's like, can be really life altering. Like, oh my gosh, I normally would react, react, react. I chose to pause even for just a second. That's a big deal. If I kept doing this, like how many more seconds could I pause? (laughs) Yeah. We have one question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what experience in your life has been your greatest teacher? Hmm, That might be the best question I've ever been asked. (laughs) (laughs) 
my greatest teacher. I mean, a lot of people come to mind, like my dad comes to mind, a toxic relationship comes to mind, (laughs) but really my own mind has been my greatest teacher because the more I listen to my mind and the more I get to know myself, the better choices that I can make. It's like just the more I get to know me, the better my life is. And like, of course, but really I just, I learned so much from myself and just like the way that I choose to respond to people and the way I choose to treat people and the way I choose to treat myself. And in all of these different situations, I'm like, oh, that's where that's coming from. Or, oh, that, okay. Like, let me, let me think about that more. So I think that my relationship with myself has been my greatest teacher just because you know, 10 years ago, I didn't realize I could even really have a relationship with myself. And so over the years, being able to tap into what infinite love feels like inside of myself, like I don't have to search for that in relationships. I don't have to like search for that in things. I can get all the love I need from inside of me. Like that is just transforming, you know? So I think that really my relationship with myself has been my greatest teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Well, if people want to work with you, how can they find you? Yeah. So I have a website, which is HaleyLot.com, just my name. I have all my offerings there. I do do weekly classes there. Right now we're offering virtual classes that are free. Uh, So virtual breathwork online uh, that people can join. We have like three times a week. I'm I'm starting a dance class where it's dancing and breathwork, which is on my website. Oh, I love that. And um, hopefully we'll be able to do the sound online soon too. We're still kind of playing with getting the right um, equipment, but I do do weekly classes. I'm based in San Francisco and right now all my offerings are, are virtual and you can find them on my website. And then our podcast is on my website too. It's called the Mind Games Podcast and you can find that on iTunes. And we will link to all of those in the show notes so that you guys can find them easily. Great. Yes. Thank you so much, Haley. This has been such a great conversation. Of course. Thank you guys. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. And remember, we're here for you. We've been getting some notes lately that a lot of you didn't know that Catherine and I offer coaching as part of the Vera platform. If you're looking to up-level your career, life path, relationships, and more, you can go to veralife.com slash coaching and learn about what it looks like to work with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.